Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And in that time, if you continue doing what you're doing now, in three years, you could save $75,000 just doing what you're doing. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast Futurish. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP. And I am here today with Annie. Hi, Annie. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. Will you tell myself and our listeners a little bit about your about yourself? So, you know, the usual. So, like, how old you are, where you live, what you do, how much you make, all of that jazz. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, my name's Annie. I am currently 32 years old. Um, and right now, I'm living in Denver, Colorado. Um, I'm originally from uh, the Big Island of Hawaii. And I moved out to Denver about 13, 14 years ago now. Um, I work in Denver in the tech industry. So I work for um, a tech company out here and I do mostly at partner onboarding. Um, my current salary, uh, my base salary is $114.4. Um, and then I have some bonus incentives um, and some stock options that uh, you know we can get a little bit more into. Um, Because this this is actually the first job I've been working here for. I just hit my year mark last year. Um, But this is the first place that I've worked where they've offered us like stock options. And so I really don't know how to navigate those probably as good as I should. That's that's great. They're offering stock, and they're a, are they a private company? I believe we are publicly owned now. Okay, that's so actually it's like a, a great question. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we we are public. You're public. Okay, perfect. Big difference, Denver from Hawaii, huh? Yes, it is um, very different. But the there's there's a little bit more options out here in terms of jobs. So that makes sense. Very nice. Um, and then single, partnered, married. Oh yeah. Um, I am currently engaged. Uh, so we're getting married in August of 2024. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah, very exciting. I, I think you also recently just got married, so you're probably very familiar with the stress of the wedding planning and budgeting and saving. So, I mean, I, I hate it, wedding planning. Some people yeah. like it, I think, but I was just like, I don't think I would say I was a fan. Like, I'm glad it's over with. The wedding was super fun. I had a great time. But it's there's a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, it's... It's definitely stressful, especially because we're we're getting married um, back home in Hawaii. So trying to plan it from Denver is oh, has wow. its own separate okay. challenges. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you have to. So you're. Do you have to fly back a lot for planning it, or are you even able to do most of it remote? Um, I I will be able to do most of it remote. My niece is actually getting married um in February, so we're going out there for her wedding for probably for about a week. So we're gonna go out in February and do a lot of the the detail planning, I guess, once we get out there. Um, but yeah, I probably I probably go back home like at least once or twice a year. So that that can in itself is like a whole expense, but <laughs> <laughs> and then how's it going budgeting for the wedding? It's going. We we only we really started saving for the wedding like right when we got engaged. 
Um, so we kind of have a year to get all of our finances in order. Um, our wedding budget, we're trying to hit 20 to 25K. We originally, you know, we were like, let's just pay somebody to do it all for us. We don't want to stress. And all of the quotes we were getting back were in like the 40, 45K area. And so we were like, absolutely not. We cannot do that. So (laughs) we did a 180 and now we're kind of putting everything together ourselves and hoping to hit a much lower budget. But everything out there is way more, you know, probably about twice what we would pay if we were getting married in Denver. So yeah, why you so expect? I had no idea. Um, I went as an adult to Hawaii the first time. I think it was last year, which it's obviously beautiful. I'd been there as a child with my, as a family vacation, so I wasn't paying. Um, and I was really surprised how, I, I guess with it being an island, everything was shipped in and we went during kind of the tail end of COVID. So it was still, everything was like peak pricing. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I think a gallon of milk out there is, averages like $10. It's like, wow. <laughs> yes. It's okay. So, <laughs> it, it, yeah, we went out for like our first meal and we got the bill and I was like, Having spent many, many, many years living in Manhattan, I feel like I don't have a lot of sticker shock with pricing because like Manhattan is expensive city, one of the supposedly one of the most expensive cities to live in. I was like, wait, why isn't Hawaii on this list is one of the most expensive places? Maybe because it wasn't, we weren't in a city. (laughs) It's like, this is really pricey. Yeah. There's a lot of things like that that are, yeah, a gallon of milk. Because we had even, I had then wanted to go to the grocery store and while it's obviously better than a restaurant, it's still very expensive. Um, oh, yeah. so how many, how many people are you having? Um, we're, I really wanted to have a small wedding. Um, my fiance has a lot of very, very close friends and I have a big family. So unfortunately that's a little bit out of the cards for us. Um, so we're looking at right now, our guest list at is at 188, but we're estimating probably about 30 of those people will not be able to actually attend. So we're looking, we're planning for about 150. Okay. 50. Yeah. Hoping for then, 150. Hoping, hoping for 150 people. <laughs> Cause it's better. Like if you invite them and then they can't come, you're like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Exactly. Um, and then how are you? So you, you didn't hire a, a, a wedding planner. How are you t- intending to stay within the budget? Cause I will say weddings are so expensive. Like I feel like you say the word wedding and the price goes up three times and then, you know, it makes everything harder to, to stay on track when you're, Versus if you said you were having like a family reunion. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're we're mostly managing the budget ourselves. Um, my, me and my fiance and I have this Excel spreadsheet. Where we're trying to track all of the costs and everything. Um, we've already paid for the venue, uh, which was about, I think once we, it'll all be said and done, the venue will be about 3000 And then we have to rent like a tent and lighting and a DJ and all. We just got our budget, our quote for that. So like with the tables and chairs and the one vendor who's doing pretty much all of the bulk of like the, the setting up of the venue, um, that's going to be about 13,000. Okay. And then what are you doing for food? Uh, My family is going to do the food. So it's. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping we're going to save money there. Um, My cousin has graciously offered to like go and catch us fish. My sister's going to do a lot of like the bulk of the cooking and then we'll probably order like smaller thing, like smaller dishes, like the rice and salad from like local restaurants. So we're trying to keep the food around like under 3000, but, and then there's, oh my gosh, there's so much (laughs) where for, um, so yeah, what did that put? I think we're at like 17, maybe we're at 20 right now. 
And then, so all of the other small stuff, like we're not really planning, like we're not going to get a florist. We'll probably just try to put together like little centerpieces or do all of that small stuff on our own. Okay. And then the one, the one thing that I was kind of like, we need to have this um, was a day of wedding coordinator, especially because we're not doing a wedding planner. Um, yep. But I was like, you know, I don't want to have to be outside in my makeup and hair, like telling people where to put chairs or tables. So I want like somebody that's designated to do that. So the wedding coordinator day of will probably run about 3000 because they are going to come with like some catering help potentially to help just like run the buffet while my sister's like taking photos and stuff like that. Okay. Perfect. And then are you having alcohol? We are, but we're just going to go to like Costco the day before. Costco. Perfect. Um, That's an exciting. <laughs> buy, buy all the alcohol. Yeah. So we're hoping to get the alcohol at under like 1500 hopefully we'll see we'll see what the prices look like once we get out there I feel like every year I've gone back like the it just goes up exponentially with inflation so we're also trying to like be realistic about those surprises as well well it feels like you've got it pretty dialed like I think getting the venue so cheap is good and then the food obviously if your family will help cook Mm -hmm. that will save some and then buying alcohol at Costco it feels pretty good. And so they, ha- okay, so maybe I got a little sidetracked on the wedding because I'm just like so fascinated by how much it costs now. <laughs> I always knew it was expensive, but definitely different to go through it yourself. Um, so, okay, so you have, so, and you, are you paying for everything as you go? Like you already paid for the venue. Did you already pay for the, um, the person setting everything up? Or are you on like payment plans? Um, we, we just got that quote like two days ago. So we haven't paid anything yet on the, the $13,000 quote for like the tent and everything. Um, we've okay. already paid for the venue. So we've, that cost is out already. And so really it's the the next, really the biggest invoice that we're going to have next coming out of all this is that the, the amount for the tent vendor. Um, and okay. so we have to put 50% of that down in order to reserve it. And then the rest of it, I think is due. I want to say a month a before, before the actual event. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got a lot going on. So, okay. Let me backtrack. Oh my God. So, okay. So you're making, you're making 114.4 as your base salary. And then you did send over a little info on your work benefits. You also are eligible for a bonus, which uh, your target bonus amount is just under 13,000 for the year. Mm -hmm. Then you also get stock options as well. You get an equity grant, which jumped up significantly and went up 150% year over year for you. So good compensation, really good compensation. So your total compensation, including the equity is 157,000 if you, but let's talk about the cash compensation because that's what you would use to help pay for everything, right? Because you have a vesting, a 25% vesting uh, over four years for the um, equity. Mm-hmm. So your total cash compensation is 127000 and change. Okay, so walk me through kind of what your budget is, what you're spending on rent, other things, and then maybe also what your fiance is making and how you're divvying up the wedding expenses. Yeah, sure. Um, so right now, my biweekly take-home, we get paid every other Friday. Um, so that's 2959 my expenses currently, so um, my fiance and I do share a lot of our expenses already. We don't have a joint bank account. We'll probably get that set up once we are actually married. 
Um, but right now we do okay. split everything pretty much 50 50. So he currently owns um, the house. He owns that with his mom. So we pay on our mortgage. Our monthly payment is thirteen twenty two seventy, but we're paying every month fifteen fifty so that we can try to squeeze in two extra payments a year. And so what I ultimately pay, because we split everything 50-50, so what I ultimately pay towards the mortgage, our car insurance, um, our gym membership, um, and like miscellaneous things like the light and the like the heating and the water and all of that stuff, okay. it roughly comes about to 1300 a month for me personally. Okay. Um, and then additional expenses that, so for me, um, my phone bill is about $250 a month. I have myself, my dad, and my uncle on all in one plan. So that's two fifty. Okay, yes, I was just about to ask. <laughs> You're like, that's kinda high for a phone. Yeah. No, I was like, that's, that's kinda high people. for one person for a phone. Okay, so that's three people. Okay, perfect. And then for like we probably spend about our at least my portion of the groceries a month is probably around three hundred. Everything else, like going out to eat, entertainment, gas. We have two animals, one of whom has diabetes. So he's a little, he comes with his own set of bills. Um, so I probably pay about $600 a month with everything else kind of just lumped into one, one category. Category. So then correct me if I'm wrong, but basically in one pay period, you cover almost all of your expenses. Pretty much. Yeah. And then so... What I've been doing for the past few months since we got engaged um, is I have uh, like a an Amex savings account that has like a really okay. high percentage. It's like at 4.3. Perfect. Um, so I've been doing like one pay period, I'll put $1,000 in that account. And then the next pay period, I'll put $1,000 into my US bank savings, which isn't, it's not technically a savings account because it doesn't, it's not a high yield savings. It's just like a, okay. a secondary checking account that I use as my savings. And that's kind of, I've been putting a thousand every other paycheck into that account each month. And that's kind of been like the wedding fund. Okay. So basically every week you're saving a thousand dollars because you get paid every two weeks. So there's, you're getting 26 pay periods. So you're, you're basically. Yes. So I'm trying to save a thousand every paycheck essentially. Okay. Perfect. So by then, and you started this over the summer. So then by the time the wedding comes, you should have saved 26000 just with that plan. But like since, you know, we've paid for the venue, I've paid for my dress. So a few things have come out of that wedding fund up to this point. Yep. Um, but yeah, the idea is just to keep paying into those two funds, one to the long-term perfect. savings and then 1000 to the wedding savings. Okay, perfect. Because yeah, ideally, right, you're, if, if you come in on target at twenty five, even just call it 26, then you each are putting 13,000 towards it and you'll have already saved it. Um, and then let's talk about your, so that's a, a great plan for this one-time um, expense that's new and temporary. And then what is your savings? And I believe when you wrote in, you said you had no debt. What does your savings look like? And you have no credit card debt or any any debt to speak of? Um, yep. So I, I have no current credit card debt. I I use my, I have a credit card that I use just for like monthly expenses. And then I pay that off at the end of each, like each, every two weeks, I'll just go ahead and pay that off. So right now I'm coming up to that one. So right now on that one credit card, I have about 1700, but I'll be able to pay that off in the next billing cycle. Um, and then I do still have student loans that it's right now they're at 3,400. So 
I say that's zero debt because I could just pay that off if I wanted to. Um, but I wasn't sure if like with, with student loans, especially if it's best just to like keep paying the minimum, um, or if like, if I have the opportunity to just pay it off all at once. So the student loan payment, did you get your bill? Like it should have just started up again in October. Yeah. The pause is over. So did you just get your first bill for it? (laughs) Yeah. And I put, um, I put, I've, I put $500 on it. I think my monthly is like 135. Um, but I just paid off 500 and I'll probably continue paying off in $500 increments until it's done just to kind of get it off my plate. Yeah. And what's the interest rate on it? Do you, do you know, is is it one, is just one Um, loan? I think so. That's yeah. It's, it's all consolidated into one loan. Um, okay. And I actually don't know the interest rate off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. I should have written that down. No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, okay. So you have one loan of 3,400 and then let's talk about your savings. Um, yep. So right now in the Amex savings, I have 5,76.66. And then in the, the U S bank savings, that's kind of like the wedding fund. Um, we just had to pay a few things. So that one's right now it's down to 3,042. Perfect. And then any other savings or other accounts besides you have a 401k, right? Yes. Um, so I have, uh, and I actually, this is one of the things I wanted um, to talk about. So my, I was, I recently started this job a year ago. Um, so at my old company, I had um, a retirement savings through Empower. And so that account right now is sitting at about 33 grand. And then when I started this new job, we moved into a, a new retirement program. So this one is with Fidelity. Um, and so currently in my tax advantage account, I have $9,428. Um, and then through my company, the RSUs um, are at 12301 I'll say that again. Your RSUs are at what? Uh, 12301 And your the Fidelity is a 401k, right? Yes. And then your previous company was also a 401k. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I wasn't sure. Like it's been a year and I... I've kind of just been sitting on that Empower account. So I wasn't sure if the best option would be, I know some people like roll their old accounts into their new accounts and create like one 401k um, or if it would be fine to like keep them separate. So it's actually completely up to you. There is like a disclosure that the company will have to provide you with. There's like a legal document or compliance document, if you will. And it tells you what your options are. So one is you can leave it where it is at your former company. The other is if your your current company will accept it, which sounds like you're with you're with a pretty big vendor, they usually will. You can roll it over into the new one because it's the same type. And so if they accept it, like if your new company will accept the old companies, usually they do. You just have to ask. Then you just have one 401k. The other option is you take the old company and you move it into your own IRA. And it would be a traditional IRA as long as the previous employer's company was all pre-tax. You just have to match your money types. And I believe on the disclosure, they also tell you you can withdraw it, but I obviously would not do that because you don't want to withdraw. So the three main options are you can leave it where it is, you can combine it with your new company, or you can move it into your own IRA. I would say for simplicity purposes, you could just move it into your existing company's 401k if you just rather have one account to deal with. Then you Mm -hmm. just have to make sure you have one set of investments correct, one set of beneficiaries, right? It can make it a little bit simpler. Um, Some people stay with their former company's 
retirement plans, when they're offered something in that retirement plan, they can't get somewhere else. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I've seen people stay with a former employer's plan because there is an investment they really like that they can't get somewhere else, or they have access to something that they wouldn't have access to if they left. And so they stay. But if there isn't something unique and different about it, I think it just makes it harder to keep track of everything. Okay. And and that's just my personal, my personal opinion. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, I think I sent you the, the information on what I'm currently doing with the Fidelity 401k. And when I set this up, it was like a little bit of sort of like a rush situation. So right now I'm currently, my employer matches up to 4%. So I'm doing 6% pre-tax. Um, is there like a better way that you would recommend? Because I have pre-tax, post-tax, and then Roth. So is there like an ideal amount that I should be contributing to either one of those areas or all three? So I ha- I'm gonna have before I'm gonna answer that with a question. <laughs> so I'm glad that you're in the 401k. I think that's great. Um, and so with you doing six percent, your employer doing four between using. I just want to ask you: are you are you also contributing on your bonus as well, not just your base salary? I think it does include my bonus. So when they pay out my bonus, it takes that out of it as well. I believe so. Okay, per- perfect. Okay, so then combine between your contribution and your company's contribution. Annually, you have $12,710 and some change going in, which is a great amount. My question for you is you're getting, this year you're married filing, well, this year you're filing single tax-wise. Next year you're going to be married filing joint. Yes. What does your fiance make? Also, what does he do? Just curious. Yep. So he is a structural engineer um, and he makes about ninety-five k a year. Oh, he makes ninety five. So here is my thought. So there are income limitations for the Roth IRA and there are no income limitations for the Roth 401k. So I think okay. that I think that with your current situation from now till the wedding, I don't think it makes sense to switch it because your plan is working really nicely. So what I think I would like to see is you continue doing it the way you're doing it because you're getting the tax break, which is great. And that's allowing you to save $1,000 a pay period, so $26,000 over the course of 12 months, which will Mm -hmm. allow you to put the $13,000 aside for the wedding. It will also allow you to potentially pay off that student loan a lot faster, if not in, you know, when you get a little farther along, depending on when the invoices come for the wedding. And it'll ramp up your emergency fund a bit more. So then ideally, right by end of next year, the the wedding's paid, the student loan is gone, and you have you know, thirteen or fifteen thousand in an emergency fund. Does it sound about right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what you could do at that point is you could add contributing to the Roth four hundred one k as well. Because remember, there's no tax break on the Roth. It's you get the tax break in retirement. It goes in after tax. So, I think for the time being, with the expenses you currently have, I think what you're doing is great because you have that big one time expense and then it's done. And then after that, I think you could what you could do is you have the pre-tax set up at six percent. You could add a post-tax contribution as well. Okay. Oh, sorry, not a post-tax. Sorry, 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 sorry. Not a post-tax. You could add a Roth contribution. Okay. And that should that be at like six percent too? It depends on your budget. I know you also mentioned on your uh, when you initially wrote in that you might want to be buying a house. 
Yes. <laughs> okay. That, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, and that actually, that's great. That leads me kind of into the next set of questions. So we, we do currently own the home that we live in. Um, I think right now we've got just over a hundred grand in equity. Okay. And so what we, you know, ideally what we would like to do is we'd be able to rent this current home out and then buy a second home that we would then live in and kind of, you know, rent this one out to just get a little bit extra money. Um, but in terms of saving up for like a down payment on the second home um, is do, a lot of people that I've talked to recently who have done this have taken out like a HELOC on their first home and used that as the down payment towards the second home. I know that can get really risky because you're usually on like, um, what is it, an adjustable rate instead of a fixed rate. Um, so is that yeah. something that you think is like a good idea or you would like a, tell me to avoid at all costs and just try to save up for a down payment like independently? So I have a question. When these people use the HELOC, do you, are they doing it like today, like in October of 2023, or is it something they had done previously? Um, I think his sister took her HELOC out about a year ago. Um, and then I know someone recently who probably did it about six months ago. And I know, I know that interest rate has just gone up ridiculously. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I was going to say. So I think the average HELOC... Uh, percentage right now is nine percent. Yeah, so it's higher. Yeah, so it's higher than a, a mortgage, like a fixed rate at the moment. Mm -hmm. So my concern with that would be the carrying cost on it, because nine percent is really high. Yes, <laughs> and it's a floating rate. So so that means it'll go it'll continue to go up if rates go up. And so we have to see where the Fed is, but it's possible we have another rate increase, which means that that percentage could go like in theory, short term, and we're not doing it this year. So we have time. You know, if you're taking out a hundred thousand, that means your carrying costs just for the hundred thousand would be 1200. Then plus you have the mortgage and then you would have the new mortgage, right? Yeah. So that just makes me a little nervous. If we were back in pre- rate increase land, which I don't know that we will ever get back to some of yeah. those numbers because I, I'm not sure what's the mortgage rate on the house currently. Um, the current mortgage rate is, I want to say it's at 2.5. Let me check this down. 2.75 right now. Okay. So it's, amazing. yeah, it's, it's, it's so amazing. We might you feel not, a little bit trapped. <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of people feel trapped. I also have a two and a half percent, I have a two and a half percent mortgage on my house uh, and then a four on my other property. I love the idea of keeping it and renting it out because basically we got free money, which was great. My concern um, with the HELOC is just if you're not paying attention, it can move up quickly. It can mm -hmm. also go down, which is, you know, it could go down. But I always think it's better to plan for worst case scenario when yeah. it comes to your finances. No one's ever said to me like, oh my God, this was the worst month ever. I had so much extra money. It's like never happened. It <laughs> only becomes stressful if it goes the wrong direction. No one's ever upset if they have more money in their pocket, right? It's not stressful. It's great. So I only plan for, like, I, I think as a, when you're looking at your finances, you always want to plan for those worst case scenarios. No one's ever upset if it goes better. So I would be nervous in today's environment. We'd have to see where it is to use the HELOC because now you have, you have, a, you have three payments. You have your, your yeah. existing mortgage, you have your HELOC payment, and you have your new mortgage. And the new mortgage is going to be a lot higher just based on rates. It'll be lower than the HELOC. Um, and so then 
you're running a business at that point, right? Because now you're needing to monitor your HELOC rates to make sure that you're able to manage all the payments. You have to make sure that the existing home has a tenant and you have no issues like mm-hmm. because it feels like with these numbers, so we'll just call it 1500 right? And then your HELOC is going to cost literally 1200 And then I don't know what the new mortgage is going to cost, but let's just say the purchasing power is less. Let's just say that's 1500 right? So then just... Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's right there. We're at 4,200. That's just a lot, right? Yeah. To cover. And so that's where it gets like, where I like to say like, Yes, there's opportunity to make a lot of money, but there's also opportunity for it to go real sideways. Like your tenant refuses to pay. You are in a really crappy situation. Yeah, exactly. And stressful, like in your... So, okay, so I just played out worst case doomsday scenario. I think a couple things. One, for first we have the wedding. I like the idea of keeping the house with a low interest rate. And if you're going to look at something else, I think that... You're you're in a really good position to save money with your current situation. Mm-hmm. You also could potentially use like if you're willing to do, like so next year's the wedding, so that brings it out a year. So if you're willing to wait like another couple of years, you should start being vested in your stock options. Okay, and those and that, that happens after four years, right? Four years, yeah. And it, but it looks like you were granted some last year as well. If I'm reading this correctly, yes, your first year. Okay. So here's what I would say for, uh, and I didn't even ask, does your uh, fiance have savings as well? Um, He does. So he has, he has about like 5,600 in his investing account. And that's just like money that he has in Robinhood that he plays with. Um, He's got about 7,500 in an emergency fund. And then he's got about 5,600 in a fund that was given to him like years ago from his grandfather that he just hasn't ever touched. Okay, perfect. Okay, so here's what I would say. And you'll see on TikTok and everywhere else, like you can totally do this and swing it. And you you can, if everything goes right. Yeah. That's the problem. (laughs) And just as you, if you've listened to the podcast, I don't know if you've Nothing goes right for me with real estate. I just am one of those people. I might just, you know, have really bad luck, but I always have massive expenses on property. I had a 20, almost $30,000 sewage line issue. You have to have a toilet. We just did our, we did our sewer line a year ago. We're just making the final payments on it. It's like, we just finished it, but ours was like- What did it cost? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why- no, why does no one talk about sewage lines? It is like the basic necessity. You cannot have a house and not have a toilet. It just, you cannot have it. It, it doesn't work. It is like, but no one talks about how expensive they are. It, they're ridiculously expensive to fix them if there's a problem. And like, you have to have toilets and water. All of it has to work. I would say like oh, you yeah. could do without like some other things in a house. Like you don't have to have a fireplace. You don't have to have wood <laughs> floors. You have to have sewage. You have to. And it's so expensive. And so anyhow, if you, I don't know, 
So you know personally it's very expensive. So what I was going to say was like, God forbid you get into your house and there's a sewage problem. I think it's one of the most expensive things you could go through. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to know. You can absolutely scope a line and see how the sewage line looks, but like you can't, I mean, and yes, you can see if there's trees in the neighborhood, but it's it, it's hard to know there's a problem, a massive problem with it until there is one because it's underground. Oh yeah. And that's why like, since we bought our house, everybody that I've talked to who's buying a house and like, do not skip the sewage inspection because we skipped yeah. it because we were like, oh, there's no trees in the yard. Like there couldn't mm-hmm. possibly be anything wrong. And then like three years into living in the house, we wake up one day and our downstairs is just completely backed up. And it's because oh my gosh. the pipes were and like that's so expensive. Pipes from the fifties. Yes. That in itself was expensive. So I was like, oh my goodness, don't skip the sewage inspection ever. <laughs> Wait, wait, listen, I did mine. Mine was fine when I bought the property. There was oh, a tree. Do you know how long? Do you know when I got my approval to take down the tree? Probably last years after you. week. Last, wow. last week. I got after I spent $30,000 on that damn tree. And guess who has to pay to take the tree down? I do. Oh, you. Do you know what that's going to cost? Probably like five I'm gonna or 10000 Yeah, five or $10,000. Just so I don't have another sewage problem. So like... It, and like I knew the tree was there, but when I scoped the line when I bought the property, I bought the property eight years ago, and I immediately went to work with the city. I was like, "This tree is going to cause a problem," but it's political. The tree committee is volunteers, and they don't meet frequently. And anyway, they love trees. I love trees. I don't want people thinking I don't. I'm going to replant a tree that does not have an extensive root system. But anyway. <laughs> as you now know as a homeowner, that my concern with owning two properties and being basically financed out, if that makes sense, like you have no equity mm-hmm. anywhere, is yeah. if there is a massive expense that comes up that obviously nobody wants to spend 18000 on a sewage line. It's like not, you'd rather put it in the bathroom and a kitchen and see it and use it, right? Like no one's like flushes the toilet and like, well, that was the best 18000 I've ever spent. <laughs> um, but my concern is, if you had a big expense, like where, what happens? Like then we're pulling from a 401k, then we're going on a credit card. It can just go sideways really quickly. So I'd almost rather you, you, you're making really good money. You're in a really good situation to get ahead. I'd almost, def, I would rather see you defer getting another property until you have more mm-hmm. cash. Yeah. No. And that makes sense. Cause you know, it sounds like if, even if saying four years out, four years feels like a long time. We're one year from the wedding. So it's basically three years from the wedding. Yeah. And in that time, if you continue doing what you're doing now, in three years, you could save $75,000 just doing what you're doing. No, that makes sense. And then that's not that's not including like in that four-year time frame, at least one of your equity grants is coming due, right? Is vested. And then the following mm-hmm. year, your large, your large one, which is the $30,000 is coming due, right? And so then you get another lump. So then you've saved $75,000 and then in, by year four, right? So four years from today. And then in year five, you have basically 42000 that's available that you could sell out of your stock if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. And then that's a great position to be in. So then look at other properties. Yeah. Then look at other properties. And you could start perusing now so you know like what areas you want to be in. But I just wouldn't take – because you said it's all the equity. You'd be pulling almost all the equity out of the existing property. Yeah. Which, yeah, we probably don't want to do that in the long run. You know, it's it's not it you it it would if if we were in a three percent rate environment right now, it would be less scary 
to do it because your payments would be lower. So you would have more bandwidth on your cash flow. So like instead of having, you would have two payments at 1500 and then borrowing would cost, let's say 300 or 400 versus 1200, right? It would be a fraction of the price. So I, cause then that way, like if your tenant's like, oh, the washer dryer broke and it's $1,500, you could float it in your monthly, right? Income. But with the interest rates being really high, it'll eat up all of your monthly income on payments, which is also not a fun way to start your marriage either, I would think. Yeah. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. So the, so, the HELOC um, is, is a good strategy and it worked really well in the low rate environment to get money for cheap. Right now, money is expensive. And so I think you're better off using your cash flow um, and we and deferring this getting a second property. I'm not against having a second property though and renting out one. I just think we need to have more cash available because then you have two properties so and you have tenants. So if you have great tenants, it's amazing. If you have bad tenants, it's really really awful. Like if they don't pay or if they break things or if they're So you I think you always want to have an extra cash buffer if you have two properties because it's then there's two problems. You know, like you could be having two expenses at the same time. What if both of your sewer lines go out at once? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I feel like then you just go back to renting. You're just like, I give up. You just give up. Like, all right. You just give up. Yeah. So so the thing I will say thing about the sewer line is in theory, it should be like a one-time expense. Mine, unfortunately, was not because mine was a fix. Like mine was, I band-aided it. Like I knew the tree was the problem. So that happened three years ago. I finally got the approval to remove the tree so I knew that that was just a very expensive, unfortunate Band-Aid. The likelihood that you put in multiple sewage lines over your life is very rare, right? Unless you own multiple properties and they all happen to be old. Mm-hmm. I will say that I do think having looked at multiple houses, because while I've bought two, I've gotten very close to closing on others and then backed out. Sewage lines is not something people fix. They fix all the things you see and they get away with the sewage line for as long as possible is what I've seen with homeowners. Yeah. when looking in various parts of the country. Uh, so in theory, that house that you have, that sewage line, what, isn't it good for like 50 or 60 years or something? Um, something like that. And then I think we have like a, a three or four year warranty on it. So like if anything happens to it in the next few years, then they should fix it for free. Big air Perfect. quotes around that, but. <laughs> air quotes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, okay, so I think that, The HELOC idea was really, you've seen people do it well, but I think the key to doing, like if you said we have 100,000 in cash and we were back in a two and a half percent rate environment, should I use my cash or should I use a HELOC? Well, then that's like a consideration, right? Because it's almost free. Mm -hmm. But given that we don't have enough cash, in my opinion, to have two properties, just because if there's an emergency, it's going to be stressful and it can, having the cash prevents the problem, right? Because if there's a big expense, then you're like borrow from your 401k, put it on a credit card. It just gets... It can spiral. So I think just waiting a couple more years and building up your cash after the wedding will give you a lot more flexibility. You might even say we've looked at things and the interest rates are still really high. We don't want to have that high of a monthly payment. We're just going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And every year things get better because if you stay with this company and you keep getting the stock, you'll end up having a large percentage in one company stock. And I don't know your company. And this is where it always gets a little tricky because I've heard it go both ways. I've heard people, the recommendation that you'll get from any financial advisor is you don't want to concentrate stock position, right? Because you have all your eggs in one basket. So if 
if at a certain point, you know, your stock gets up to be 50,000 where after you vested or more, it looks like it'll continue to accrue. So at a certain point, you could have 100,000 in your 401k and 100,000 just in company stock, right? So that's not super diversified. Mm -hmm. The issue with it is with tech specifically, in my opinion, some of these companies just continue to go and go and go. And so I have met people who said, yeah, I got out of my company stock too early because hindsight's twenty twenty, And so I could have made a lot more money had I stayed with my company stock. But my advisor said I had too much, which is true. You, you don't, if, if you walked into someone's office, they said, I have this one great idea. Let's put all of your money in one thing. You'd be like, no, that's crazy. I don't want to do that. But that's what happens with company stock because you're accruing it. And it's a great employee benefit. So with the em- employer stock, what I like you can always keep some. You have a better pulse on what's happening with the company stock than someone talking to you outside of it, right? Like I don't work for the company. I don't know the company. You kind of have a better idea what's going on and whether or not you believe it's going to continue to go up in value or not. Also, when stuff does go awry, like goes sideways, it usually happens very quickly and most people don't see it coming. So what mm-hmm. I like to do with the company stock as you start to accrue a lot of it is, because I've seen this work really well for people, is if you decide to say, okay, it's I'm 50-50. I have as much in my 401k as I do in company stock. I want to pare back my position. You don't have to get rid of all of it. But I like the idea of taking the company stock and doing something very tangible with it. So like not necessarily taking it, just putting in another investment, but for instance, using it on a down payment for a home because you know exactly where it went. So you can yep. say like, by working at this company, it allowed us to buy our forever home or what have you. Um, I had one client that we used the company stock and it ended up being in hindsight, it was still a really good decision because the company stock didn't really continue to perform at a certain level. That might've been the expectation. He bought a boat. Now boats are not good investments. <laughs> it was a great lifestyle for him and he enjoyed it, right? Cause it's not all about everything being a good investment. Some, you know, you work to enjoy yourself as well. And so he has really great memories with this boat and like he will say to anybody, it was the best thing he did. So my advice with the company stock is I would tie it to, you know, you could use some of it at a, at a certain point. So to pare back your position, so you're not overly concentrated if you stay there for a number mm-hmm. of years, but I would tie it to something like a, a goal, like something you guys would like to do. And if it's the forever home, I think that's a great way to use it. Cause you'll know by working at this company, it allowed us to buy our forever home. Oh, that's a cute way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I think that it, it, you, some people say, well, yeah, we well, could have stayed in the company and made more money. I don't think everything is about making more money there's a part of like, you have to also enjoy your life. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, pairing back company stock to do something important with it as well, like something tangible is also a good idea. No, that's great. I hope that wasn't too much. I feel like. <laughs> no, that was, that was all very, very helpful. Um, yeah. Thank, thank you so much. This has been very, very great. Good. Do you have any other questions? Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything that I forgot or that my fiance would go crazy if I didn't ask you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think, I think overall you're, you're in really good positions. I think you have an, a unique opportunity currently because your mortgage is so reasonable and you're making, you're both making very good money to keep saving. Like you're doing a good job with the 401k. You could add the Roth next year and still probably with bonuses and increases continue to do the 1000. And I would just, save your way to the next down payment. Mm-hmm. The only other question I think was, so we were marrying next year. And so my fiance's debt is going to become like my debt. So 
is it in our best interest? So he has about 47,000 still in student loans. So is it in our best interest to like try to hit those as hard as possible? Um, like with both of us or are student loans kind of like the thing that you just keep making the minimum payments on because the interest is so low and it's better just to like save ask, up the cash. Yeah. What is his interest rate? Um, I want to say it's, I, I actually don't know. I want to say it's something very low, like two or three. So if his interest rate is really low, I would just, I would set up a plan to get it paid off. Maybe we work in this five-year marker that I've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, so like next year being the wedding then four years out. Cause that's when you're going to get more of your, that's when your star will start to vest. And that's, you had a big jump up in the what you were issued year over year. And it seems like that probably continue. I would, I would tackle, I, this is what I would do. I would make it a fi- like a five-year plan. So starting next year, you have four years. I would pay off the student loan, yours and his. So not overly mm-hmm. aggressive, if you will. Your standard repayment program is supposed to be 10 years. Yeah. So if it's five years and or six years, it's fine. But I would try and get that paid off um, in the time that you're also saving for the down payment and you've added the Roth. Um, because then at the end of this period, you're going to have most of your, you'll have like 50000 in stock that's vested, right? And you'll have saved a good amount of cash, even if we have the student loan payments too. And you're going to be on a very, I would stick on the diligent budget that you you are on for the wedding and continue that for the next couple of years and get the, because you have enough bandwidth in your monthly, right? Budget. Yeah. So even if you have a month that's expensive or you take a vacation, you don't save that month. That's not a big deal. It's fine. Just pick up where you were. So I would try and get it paid off in like the next five years because there's not a lot of interest on it. But I also think it would be nice for it to be done because then when you take on another property, the only debt you have at that point is the remaining mortgage, which is totally fine and a low payment. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And at that point, you're 37. That feels both so old and so young at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It always sounds old when you hit your late 30s. Only like 30 more years to retirement at that point. So yeah but you're you're doing a good job it'll go really fast and i think and you'll tweak it right like obviously you don't set something up and then not look at it for five years but i think Mm -hmm. this the idea that you're being so diligent about the wedding i think it's just a really good habit to carry forward especially if the goal is to buy another property which i totally get i think a lot of people feel locked into their existing homes because of the mortgage rate Mm -hmm. it also gives and it'll give you the flexibility if you're saving if you're doing continuing on this path that like if in three years, the mortgage rates come down, jump on it. You don't have to wait five years. I said five years. It's just in the current environment, wait to have enough save. But if the mortgage rates come down, that's another opportunity. Right. And so you could jump on it at that point because then the payments are all lower. You can float more with your cash flow. but I would just stick with this idea of like, we're going to wait until we have more of the debt paid off. We have more saved. The stock is getting closer to being vested, right? Everything gets a little, it's like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry, this is, I should have asked this much earlier, but pretend I know very, very little about like employee stock options. When Once it's vested, that's when I can like sell off the stock, right? And pull it out. Yes. Um, and it, it's a little bit more complicated than that because I need to know yeah. if they're incentivized stock options or not. So what my advice for the stock options, um, and there's tax ramifications, right? So yeah. do you know if they are non-qualified stock options or incentivized stock options? No, I don't. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. It's just about the taxation of it. So you want to wait till it's vested. 
And then you also want to take into consideration, so I'm going to kind of defer to the accountant to see where you are tax-wise. And then generally there are are certain windows when you can sell. I don't, Mm -hmm. your company should tell you when you're allowed to sell. Um, You can't just sell whenever you want. There's windows where they allow you to sell. A few factors to consider is, right, like, are they incentivized stock options or or not? Um, and also, where are you going to fall tax-wise? And then when the when can you sell the window? I believe most companies are four times a year, but I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, and I'm looking at my um, my offer letter, and it doesn't explicitly say, so I probably have to go back to my, my HR department and just confirm. Yeah, they're pro- I want to say they're probably incentivized stock options, uh, ISOs. But you just, or you called them RSUs, didn't you, before? Yes. Okay, so that's even different. So you want to just confirm if they're stock options or if they're RSUs. And if they're stock options, there's two types. Okay. So you want to just confirm if they're stock options or if they're RSUs. And if they're stock options, there's two types. Okay. I think on this plan, they're called RSUs. Okay, so then they're probably RSUs. So I think they'll withhold the taxes for you. Okay. But you definitely, they have to vest for you to be eligible to sell them. Because if you, if they don't vest, like if you leave before they vest, you're going to forfeit the shares. Yeah. So the reason why they do RSUs and the reason why they do stock options is to keep you at the company because the more mm-hmm. they give you, right, you're like less like, because you're like, I'm leaving so much on the table, right? Especially you had a huge 150% increase in your, in the stock. So, mm-hmm. and then basically, I believe you're going to pay ordinary income on it. Yeah. So like when, when I, when I sell and I would pay the tax as if that was an income. Yeah. It might even be when it vests. I'd have to double check on RSUs. Okay. Do you have an accountant? Um, I do not, but it sounds like I should probably <laughs> look yep. into getting one. Yeah. Okay. So I would say now that you're getting into this type of compensation, you're going to want an accountant. We would want to start using the post-tax when you've maxed out the employer portion, like the the eight, the twenty, whatever you're allowed to do with the IRS, like the twenty-one thousand. Okay. Okay. So the post-tax, I think, works the best when you've already, when you have the ability in your budget to maximize the IRS limit for the four hundred one k, which I believe that is going to be for for. For this year, it's twenty two thousand five hundred. So that's a big amount, right? That's a large amount to contribute. But as you start to grow your career, and if you keep making more money at this company, it'll get to the point. If your budget stays similar, let's just say you stay in the two and a half percent mortgage property, and you might not do this every year. You might just do this one or two years. But you're able to max out the pre tax option of twenty two thousand five hundred, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that gets you the maximum tax benefit. But you say to me. I also have already fully maxed out my emergency fund. I have 50000 in there. I have all these RSUs that are vesting, and we've decided we're not buying another property, so I don't need all this cash. So I say, okay, great. Let's do a backdoor Roth. And so this is, we very rarely do all companies offer this. It tends to be the tech companies. I think I'm pretty sure they put it in there for the higher ups of the company to take advantage of. But the post tax option says that we then, so, so, the limit on your 401k for you pre-tax as the employee for a pre-tax offering is the 22500 That is not the allowable dollars in your plan. 
If you think about it like a bucket, the first thing you put in is your pre-tax. The limit on that is $22,500. The actual dollars allowed in the bucket is significantly higher. I believe for 2023, it's $61,000 for the defined contribution limit because this is a defined contribution plan. Sorry, it's $66,000. So we have a lot more room in our bucket, right? If we want to get up to $66,000. So we say, Mm -hmm. let's take your your company match. So your company match is 4%. You're making the 114. So your your company match now is 4,500. We'll just call it 5,000. So you put 22,500 in, your company puts 5,000 in, also pre-tax. That's how they always do it. So we'll just round up and say $28,000 are in your defined contribution bucket, right? 66,000 is the actual dollars allowed in that bucket. So the the difference between 28,000 and 66,000 is $38,000. You have to have the cash flow to do this, but some people do. So you say, I can afford another 30000 I don't need it in my paycheck. And I say, okay, great. We then put that into the post-tax option inside of your 401k. We, do, we elect what's called an immediate conversion into the Roth. So it goes in as post-tax. Fidelity more, most likely, not always, but usually can immediately flip that from a post-tax and then immediately converts it into a Roth dollar, and then it is invested. It gets complicated if it's not an immediate conversion because then the post-tax dollar that you put in cannot be invested because we can't have any change in the value before it's converted into Roth because that poses a problem. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is a wonderful vehicle. So if you stay there and you continue to make money with them, even though most people can't afford 30,000, but even if you can afford a contribution amount of 32,000 at a certain point. You do 22,000 in the pre-tax, you get your your the maximum tax benefit that you're eligible for and then we still do the Roth by way of the post-tax dollar. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So there's lots of options to save money. (laughs) Uh, The company that you're working for is giving you really great benefits. I do think you're going to need an accountant, especially with the RSUs. And also if you ever decide to leverage the more complicated features of your 401k. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So many, there's so many options. That's great. I know there's so many options. Um, so the good news is you're getting paid. Your compensation is great. You have access to a really cool 401k plan that most people don't. It's not a very common feature. A lot of people don't understand how these work. Myself included. <laughs> Yourself included. That's fine. Um, it's not explained. People get confused about it. I We've done them for clients. I know... I keep a list of like of companies that I'm aware that have the features in their work plans. Um, it's not very often that you run into them. The way to maximize them is you need to have the the way that most people maximize them is you need to have a low cost of living, right? You need to not be spending all the money you're making. Step number one, and then number two, you have to have a really good salary where we have the opportunity to utilize all the money types. So if you end up staying here for a number of years, you will get there most likely. Okay, that's great. I have no intentions of leaving the company anytime soon. So 
Good. So it's good to know about it. I always feel like it's like Monopoly, the get out of jail free card. Like the more you know in advance, even if you're not using something in the moment, but to understand that you have these features available to you, I think is always important because you never know when you're like, oh, actually this might make sense to use it now. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. it's always better to know these things in advance, even if they're like a little bit complicated, you don't need to know exactly how they work. You just need to know that you have this available to you. Exactly. So if you don't have any other questions, I feel like we went through a lot. Yeah, no, we we covered a lot and it was all wonderfully helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, amazing. I would love to have you back on post-wedding to see where you are with savings and a second property or maybe doing a backdoor Roth first. Um, So yeah, keep us posted. Yeah, that would be awesome. And then for all of our lovely listeners, if you can subscribe either to Spotify or follow on Spotify. I think it's subscribe on Apple. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Future Rich Podcast. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.